I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. He denies it, but reports say Damian Lillard will be expected to ask out of Portland. We've got the odds on his next team. The Knicks are favored, then the 76ers, then the Heat, then Golden State. Speaking of the NBA, we got a title being decided here. Game five on Saturday, the Suns at home favored by four points in that game. If we shift to the series itself, right now Phoenix is favored minus 150, plus 130 for Milwaukee. The only thing separating these teams with three games to go, home court advantage. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. Live in Las Vegas, live on a Friday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. This is such a good chance, and I'm excited about it. We got some news and stuff, but we're going to get to really dig in to the NBA Finals Thanks to Fez for helping me out yesterday when I wasn't feeling great. And it's going to be a second look-see at what happened in Game 4. What has really shifted between Game 1 and Game 2? Sports batters listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have a potential trade request in the NBA. We've also got some questions about Tom Brady's injury status from a year ago. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? I'm going to say in code WTFCP3. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> game five of the NBA Finals are coming up uh, Saturday night, and the story out of Phoenix are the struggles of Chris Paul recently. Phoenix, who had a 2 nothing series lead, now finds themselves 2-2 heading back to the desert for that pivotal Game 5 coming up this weekend. When we break down the handicap for Game 5, it's driven by what happened in the first four games. But we're going to zero in on what happened in game four, the most recent game. And we're going to zero in on the following question. Is Chris Paul limited somehow? Did he just have a bad game? And if so, that opens up other questions. One of those questions would be, is this guy feeling the nerves? His career legacy, his ultimate legacy as a basketball player Chris Paul's is at stake. All the talk before the title round about the coronation of Chris Paul. He did it. And I said, did what? No one ever says, you know, Charles Barkley, one of the best players not to have a title. But, you know, it's almost like he had a title because he made the finals. I've never heard that before. It's you either have a title or you don't have a title. And Chris Paul is now, if he wins two of the next three, he has one. 
and think of John Elway. When's the last time you heard, you know, John Elway wasn't all that. He was a good regular season quarterback. But up until his final two seasons, John Elway, the only narrative you heard about him was, oh, he's great with a bad team, but he just can't get him over the hump. If you were around a sports fan in the 90s, I can promise you it wasn't it was John Elway was like Dominique Wilkins, a guy that was great. He he had highlight worthy plays, but he wasn't a champion. And if Chris Paul doesn't win in his team two out of the next three games, odds are very good he will retire never having been a champion. He'll be fine. His legacy will be, you know, all time. He'll be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt. But this is the biggest one difference, champion or not, that there is in all sports. And this is a ring-counting culture, and I kind of like it. I think sometimes it's too simplistic, but more times than not, it gets to the heart of it. There's a lot of things we can't even measure that lead to championships. So if we didn't have the championships to measure it, it wouldn't get measured. And these are some of the more important things. We have to trust that there's some logic to who wins these titles or what's the point of any of this. And if you don't win one after a whole career, it has to mean something. Otherwise, why do we care so much? So it could just be nerves or it could be something more physical. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas, I test fan perspective. Is something physically wrong with Chris Paul? I mean, he's had the issue with the wrist or whatever it is, his hand issue. We still can't get a, a clear-cut answer as to that, what that is, but that's been bothering him a little bit. Um, I, I just – look, I, I do wonder if there's some fatigue playing into it. I know that he's getting you know rest in between these games and extra rest, but you know when you turn the ball over late and you have the turnover issues that you normally do, sometimes that has a lot to do with fatigue. And – and this is just a conversation that's been had about Chris Paul, uh, fair or not, uh, over the past several years. He gets to these moments. There are opportunities there. Why he can he continues to struggle or come up short in big time spots? I'm not sure. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't. I don't think that it's nerves. It could be him maybe just trying to do too much because he wants it so badly. Ooh. I mean, I, this that, last game he tried I, to do too I much. Mean, that's that. I mean, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what the answer is. I'm just throwing out options as to as to what it could possibly be but I just this continues to happen and over the past couple of games he has shown the Chris Paul that we saw glimpses of in the Clipper series he had that monster game and a monster couple games to finish it off but we've seen this before many times did you participate in model UN in high school no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like a, it's like where they have the everyone represents like a different country and they try to negotiate treaties. It's like the United. Like you were very political there. You're like it, it could be this. It could be. I, this. I, I don't know what the answer is. So no, I, I don't know either. I have no idea. And, and, and that's and that's the point. I think is if you can answer this question, you've got your answer to how to bet this because the odds are saying that these are even teams. They're given home court more than historically it deserves, and, and that's a little that throws me a little bit. But in general, what do we see? Is Milwaukee favored by about four at home, and now Phoenix is favored by about four? They're saying these are now even teams. Uh, that 
can only be the case if Chris Paul is healthy. There's no way you could say Chris Paul is banged up or hindered and these are even teams. They're not. Milwaukee is clearly the better team if Chris Paul plays like he did in game four. The question is why did he play like that? Let's get into the numbers. One thing that jumped out at me, and Mackenzie put this in context with a little bit of research, if you look at the usage rate of Chris Paul and you look at his percentage of where he falls on that usage rate spectrum. So just simple words, if it's 50, which it is, it means his usage rate is about average. And Mackenzie, I'll give you a second crack at this redemption. How do you define usage rate? Usage rate, RJ, and a lot of people get this wrong. Oh, no, 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 no. Some people do, not a lot of people. (laughs) It's the percentage of plays that either end with you scoring, you committing a turnover, or the third piece of the puzzle, you getting an assist. So the theory is how involved are you? Because if a guy just sits in the corner, like uh, waiting for, like PJ Tucker waiting to get a shot to shoot a three, he's going to have a very low usage rate. In fact, his in this most recent game was in the 29th percentile. So that means that 71% of players are used more, defined by McKenzie's what he just described. Now, Chris Paul had a 50. The point guard had a 50. So these, these are the usage rates of the prior game, starting with game three, so the game before the last one, 77, 70, 73, 90, 83, 92, 83, 65, 72. So as you go back, none of them are even close to 50. This guy was playing differently beyond the turnovers, Jonas said, quite accurately five turnovers that led both teams in fact no one on Milwaukee had more than one turnover no one had more than one turnover Chris Paul had five and even so he wasn't handling the ball or as involved as he typically is and that being average usage for the last classic point guard doesn't seem Normal. It's not normal, as our numbers show. Why, though? Nervousness? Physical. That's the question. Really, if it's nervousness, it probably applies again, but you never know. Home court, maybe it helps. If it's physical, that's something to bet on. If you tell me right now, Chris Paul is hurting, he's at 80%, I'm automatically betting Milwaukee for the series. I'm betting Milwaukee in game five because this line implies both teams are are healthy now let's look at another number offensive rating an offensive rating is a number that simply says how effective is this offense so like 122 i think is the all-time record what was the all-time record uh it was the number one team this year right mckenzie yeah, it was the Brooklyn Nets. They put up a 119 offensive rating. Uh, okay, so no team has ever had better than a 119, okay? Correct. When Chris Paul was on the floor, the offensive rating for Phoenix game four was a 73. Now, what was the worst team in the NBA this year? That would be the Oklahoma City Thunder. They had a 104. Okay, so Oklahoma City has a 104. The best team ever, Brooklyn this year, 119. 
I'm going to do some simple math. That's a 15-point <laughs> adjustment right there. All right, from the worst to the uh, this year to the best of all time. We're 27 points away from 100 out of 73. So you're looking at like more than double the distance between the best of all time and the worst this year is from the worst this year to how bad Phoenix was with Chris Paul on the floor offensively. Now, when he wasn't on the floor and McKenzie and Spencer did some good work on this, went into the play-by-play, what was the offensive rating of Phoenix? 131 for the Suns without Chris Paul on the floor. So when Chris Paul wasn't on the floor, Phoenix had by like 12 points per 100 possessions better than the best offense in the history of basketball. And when not on the floor, had like 30-some points worse than the worst offense this year, Oklahoma City. It's one game, but you got a situation where Chris, and that's what we're saying, something it looks like physically happened to him. How do those numbers jump out at you, Jonas? Is, uh, does this even sway the UN's neutral party? Does it feel like something here? Uh, no, but I, I do think over the past couple of series, there's been a, a, a theme, I guess, or I don't know if it's a trend, but he does not play as well on the road. He did game six against the Clippers when he had that monster performance, but if you look at the other road games, like the home road splits for him – I think there's a big difference between his performance. And, and I don't know what to attribute that to. I, I know we all say home court advantage isn't worth as much this year, but I just wonder, is there something to him going on the road and maybe not being as comfortable playing outside of Phoenix? Now, when it comes to his efficiency, I, I think that is a case that could be made. But if you actually look at his usage, how much does he like to be in control? It actually seems to be higher on the road. If you look at the last game, uh, it was 77, and then the prior two that were at home were 70, 73. But then the prior, the last Clippers away game was 90, his usage. And then the prior away game there was 92, 83. So efficiency, okay, I'll, I'll acknowledge your point. But he seems to be Chris Paul when they're on the road. He want, He's the veteran. It seems like he wants to control the ball even more. And what we, Mackenzie, you got that in an Excel, right? What you printed out for me. Why don't you sort that by home and away just for the playoffs and uh, get us a mean, just the average usage rate at home and away? Because I'm eyeballing it. We'll see how it looks. So, got it 15 seconds. Yeah. So maybe, uh, Jonas, again, uh, with efficiency, I see it not so much with uh, his usage, which again, this is a guy, and would you agree with this, Jonas, is when. The stakes are highest. Chris Paul does seem to want to be in control the most. Uh, you could make the case that maybe it's too much. Maybe he doesn't give the team enough rope. But, boy, when they had the closeout game against the Clippers, and then they had game one of the finals, it was probably his best back-to-back games ever, you could say, when the stakes were highest. So as yeah. much as it feels like maybe it's pressure, it feels like he likes to handle the ball more when pressure's on.
Yeah, I don't think it's a case of him being scared to take the shot or have the ball or or scared of the moment per se. That's why I think there might be something to he really wants to control everything. And sometimes in these big time moments, there are things outside of your control. And and maybe he's trying to do too much for his team, turning the ball over, uh, you know, making, uh, you know, poor passes, not executing the offense at a high level to where when, you know, campaign his backup comes in, it's a completely different looking team not that they're better but it's just a different looking team that they've had success with 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 Paul out of the lineup yeah and and uh Cameron Payne when he had that great two-game run when Paul was out hadn't played near as well since uh apparently he had I think an ankle yeah uh that, that slowed him down a little bit but he uh in the most recent game 17 minutes shot 57 percent his plus minus was even so I mean, hey, Chris Paul's was minus ten, worst on either or worst on Phoenix. Brooke Lopez with the minus thirteen. So last thing on usage rate, what's the home away split, Mackenzie? Correcting your assumption here, Chris Paul on the road has a thirty-two percent usage rate. This playoffs only twenty-seven percent went at home. Okay, so and that makes sense. I ta- or at least when I was eyeballing that, he does, and I think it fits in what Jonas is saying. He does want to control things. The more pressure, the more he wants to control them. Though Game Four would have been a grand exception to that, and thus makes me think something's wrong. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll dig a little deeper into Game Number Four because it really was a situation, shockingly that you could say Phoenix shot about as well as you could hope for. They shot 60% on non-three-pointers and still lost the game. What caused that? He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a look back at game four of the NBA Finals and what it means for game five. Exactly. What is repeatable, what's not some of Milwaukee's domination inside does feel repeatable. We'll get into it. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That's because of you spreading the word. Keep it up, and we'll keep producing an entertaining and profitable show. The weekends, great time to catch up if you missed anything. Just search Straight Out of Vegas on your favorite pod player, and there it is. Catch up over the weekends here in Vegas on the Strip. 106 degrees, the neon is pumping. So, RJ, we've talked about the struggles of Chris Paul recently in the NBA Finals, and it leads us to a pivotal Game 5 of the Finals coming up tomorrow night. The loss for Phoenix in Game 4, a game they probably feel like they could have had, but they go into Game 5 now tied up two games apiece, a best of three to win it all. Yeah, if you look at the shooting, non-three-pointers, so two-point shots, 60% from the field. For Phoenix, 47% non-three-pointers for Milwaukee. That's not as good. If you look at three-pointers, 30%, not great for Phoenix, 24% for Milwaukee. Milwaukee went 7 of 29 on three-pointers. 
But somehow, some way, Milwaukee took 19 more shots. So just think, if they would have missed 19 straight shots, then shot exactly the same as Phoenix, otherwise they would have had the same number of points. That's tough. So how's that, how, how's that happening? Well, if we look at it now, free throw-wise, <laughs> another advantage, 29 attempts for Milwaukee, 24 made, and only 19 attempts for Phoenix, 16 made, a good percentage. But now you've got eight points advantage just in free throws, just in free throws. Oh, by the way, when you only win by six, that's a difference maker. And then, okay, offensive rebounds. This is going to be something, and McKenzie uncovered a good nugget on this, is with Giannis healthy, let's say post-game one, right? so game two, three, and four, give us an idea, McKenzie, of how well Milwaukee is rebounding offensively. They've won each and every of the offensive rebounding battles since game one. They're scoring 22 second chances per game. To put that into context, the Memphis Grizzlies were number one in that department with 15 second chance points per game. So they're about 50% higher than the number one second chance points team in the NBA this year against the Suns team. So seven more points per game in the last three games coming off of offensive rebounds than the best team in the entire NBA did during the year. And oh, by the way, they won by six points. So inside domination, and what did we say? Without or with Aiton, Phoenix is kind of competitive physically. Without him, not even close. Aiton played 38 minutes in this game, and he didn't play well. And let's not forget something. It was just a few months ago that there was real questions about Aiton. This idea. That, that he's emerged, he has emerged, but it's happened recently. Three of nine on his field goals, and he didn't get a single free throw, not a single one. Your big man's not getting one free throw, one offensive rebound. Now, defensively, pretty good on the rebound, but not one of his better games. Six points in total, six points for Aiden. Now, let's look at Giannis himself, because the, the debate, the kind of barroom conversation has been, oh, he's got to stay inside, play like Kareem. And, you know, someone once said he's playing more like Shaq <laughs> than he is Kobe. And I think the numbers certainly back that up. Break it down, McKenzie, when it comes to how Giannis on offense is doing down in the blocks versus outside. So over the course of the regular season, Giannis, obviously a paint terror, scored 45% or shot 45% of his shots at the rim. He's Shaq now. He's much less Kobe, much more Shaq. 65% of his shots the last two games at the rim, and he's making 75% of them pretty decent. So regular season, 45% at the rim, now 65% at the rim. That's right. All right. So the pressure's on. And let's be honest, why Jonas don't inside guys like to be inside? It's physical. It's 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 hard down there. Elbows are flying. And it strikes me that something, a light bulb went off with Giannis. The stakes are high enough now that he's down in the blocks. 
and it doesn't seem like especially this Phoenix team can stop them. It, well, it, well, I did notice the last game because we were having the discussion, the 34 and a half over under point total for him and, and how we felt about it. And obviously the under hit and he's only scored 26. But what I did notice is late in that game, there were multiple times where he was driving to the basket. And I, 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 my, I would venture to guess this was strategic. He was always kicking the ball out. So he'd get in deep, he'd penetrate towards the basket, and then he would kick the ball out. And the only thing I can think of is that maybe he thought, all right, well, I don't want to get fouled because if I get fouled trying to go to the basket, we're less likely to, to get points there as opposed to giving it up to somebody else if I'm getting a double team near the rim. And, and I noticed that three or four times late, and I just wonder is is that the entire game strategy is that just late game scenarios where they need points and they can't trust him at the foul line that's my only cause for concern about him and his approach right now because i thought that was a little bit bizarre that he was he did it multiple times late in that game but doesn't that seem to speak to them being cognizant of the problem and finding a way around it? Yeah, it's just it, it is strange that it, the, it is such a problem that the best player in the series who seemingly can dominate at a moment's notice is kicking the ball out when he gets really good penetration towards the basket. It just... <clears throat> See, that's a, that to me, that is a fascinating discussion because before this playoff round, you could make the case that Giannis's problem was he was trying to be all things to all people, that he wanted to be perceived as the best, and that's the best doesn't do this, the best doesn't do that. Well, Shaq at times wouldn't even be in the game late. And I would make yeah. the case this century, Shaq at his height was the most dominant player this century. That that in his best, you know, month stretch, you know, and there's probably was more than a few of those month stretches, Shaq in, you know, 2000, 2001 was as good as anyone, if not better than LeBron, at his height. Now, LeBron's had longevity. LeBron's had consistency. Shaq used to play himself into shape. But this, you know, this guy, Shaq, wasn't in games late sometimes. So I agree with you. If we were trying to build a perfect player in a lab, he wouldn't be kicking it out. But when Giannis is having five offensive rebounds, he's shooting 58%. So he's 11 and 19, even if his points were only, quote unquote, 26. But he only made half his free throws. So also, as we said, five offensive rebounds, nine defensive rebounds. Talk about fill up the stat sheet. Eight assists, three steals, two blocks, and only one turnover. So when you get like five, this is amazing. I mean. If you look at it, Crowder had three steals and three blocks. That's amazing. Ayton had three blocks. No one else on Phoenix had more than one steal and block combined. So you say, let's say steals and blocks are great for defense. There's zero or one for everyone except Crowder and and Ayton. And you look at Giannis and he's like, oh, he's got five in total. And he's got eight assists. So it's like he leads the team in assists and steals and blocks, <laughs> shoots 58%, right. and you're right. He isn't a good free throw shooter, so what do you want him to do? Either sit on the bench or try to avoid getting fouled. It seems like as good as he can do. I mean, like, like to me, it's the humility of yeah. him saying, I'm not an outside guy, 
and, and I'm going down the blocks. I'm not a foul shooter, so I'm not going to have the ball late and get foul. If I do have the ball late, I'm going to avoid it. Doesn't that seem like a good – like if you're rooting for the Bucks, aren't you happy about that? Yeah, I, I just – it was strange to see him because I, I my, my guess would be earlier in the game – he tries to get to the basket and either dunk it or score on his own. But it, it's funny to see the approach completely change late to where they've now identified, all right, late game scenario, here's how we're going to do it. It's like hack-a-shack. You know, back yep. in the day was you got to a certain point in the game and you knew you were getting to your limit on fouls and you just started fouling him. We're almost seeing that in reverse to where it's the other team trying to avoid the hack-a-shack and so they're coming up with a strategy on how to do so. And I just wonder if there's a way that we can can possibly take advantage of that just in the betting market, whether it's Ooh. live wagering or whether it's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I saw that and it really stuck out to me. In now that's before. interesting. So what you're saying is, let's say there's six minutes left in the game. Giannis has, uh, let's say 30. And now the over under for him, the rest of the game is 38 and a half. Yeah. And you're figuring, Hey, going under eight and a half additional points might be a good bet because he's not looking to get fouled. Yeah. He's and you'd have to really do something to, to get him to the foul line. Because if you watch back multiple times, it seemed like he had an opportunity and I was, because we had talked so much about which way we like the over or the under on his point total. And, and we, I was saying, I like the over. So I was, you know, quietly rooting for the over just I didn't want to look like an idiot that I was saying, you know, bet the over, bet the over. And then every time he got down late, he was kicking the ball out. And I just it. So it's the hack a shack in reverse. And I just wonder at what point into the into the game do they implement that strategy? Is it, is it just late game? Is it late in the first half? And that's what I want to watch this in coming up in game five. My gut feeling would be it's going to be driven by the other team when would they want to file yeah in in order to slow increase the number of possessions yeah right because it's one thing to just say oh statistically if he's only going to make 50 some percent of his free throws we're going to file him every time he's in a positive let's say offensive position but then it gets to the point when you're down six or seven and there's not much time left you want to file because you don't want the whole shot clock running down and if Giannis has the ball he's the guy to do you know yes. obviously yeah so my gut feeling is that it's only those late game situations because otherwise they'd be doing it throughout the whole game yeah and to your point it, they, they can't have him off the floor because he does so many other things his stat line is great every single game so it's almost their way of of just dealing with the fact that he can't hit free throws but we need him out there because of defensive repurposes rebounding and so they're just they're finding out a way which give him credit because Budenholzer has been criticized for not being able to make adjustments so at least they're figuring out some way to still have him out there but not put him in a bad spot on the foul line so the rumor is you've got some UFC for us I, I don't listen. I, I I am not confident at all in any of my UFC picks right now. <laughs> it's not. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, th there's a, there's a fight I I kind of like. All um, right, that's all we needed to hear. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. I don't want to offend anyone, but I'm very happy I was born in the United States. <laughs> How about you, Jonas? Yeah, I'm pretty pleased. Yeah, uh, it, you know, Canada kind of reminds me of, well, I'll get into that another time. <laughs> <laughs> so, we get, so listen, let's be candid. Of all the sports, and you're an aficionado of sports, UFC is your is 
I would say you have the deepest knowledge on. Where if you say take an average sports fan, compare him to Jonas, Jonas is going to have better sports knowledge or deeper sports knowledge in any sport, really, than the average fan. But I'd say UFC is the most depth of knowledge. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, no, that, that I guess that's fair. So yeah. you're really touting yourself here. No, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to give people confidence before I, you know, give them a pick that's not going to come through. Like, it's just, uh, so you know. should we take a break first or do you want to do the pick first? I'm going to uh, let you decide. Well, we, we, well let's take a break. When we come back, really it's out. the Jonas Knox lock <laughs> of the year in the UFC and I'm going to give you a pick on Saturday's NBA Finals. That's not as important, but yes, me too. That's coming up next. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And, R.J., it's a busy Saturday in the world of sports. We have not only Game 5 of the NBA Finals, but also a UFC fight night from Las Vegas. Yeah, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give a full best bet for Game 5. But more importantly, <laughs> Jonas Knox, one of the national, you know, across the country, I don't know, if, is he the third most knowledgeable USC guy? Fourth? I'll let you decide that. I know he knows a lot more than me. Give us a best bet for the weekend on the UFC. All right, so the main event, Islam Mahachev and Tiago Moises, uh, they are fighting. It's a lightweight fight at the Apex Center there in Las Vegas, and uh, Islam is a minus 700 favorite, significant favorite. He's 18-1 as a professional. He's really good. He's one of these up-and-coming fighters that's really dangerous in the weight class, and people expect big things, potential world champion later in his career. Because it's such a significant favorite and Mahachev is a minus 700, I say we go either the distance or inside the distance. We've got a couple of ways to look at this. If the fight goes via five-round decision and Islam wins by the five-round de- de- decision, it's a minus 115. So you got to lay a little in order to win 100 bucks, 115 to 100. I say forget all that. I say let's take the money and the plus money and let's pick him to win inside the distance at plus 130. So now you're laying 100 to win the 130. It's a five-round fight. We've got plenty of opportunities for him to finish the fight via via a submission or potential knockout. So I'm going to take Islam Mahachev winning inside the distance, uh, not to go the distance, but to get the win at plus 130. All right, so he needs to win, but if we just picked him to win regardless of how, you'd have to lay seven to win one yes here you're saying we're betting one to win 130 and that's driven by because it has to be before it's not a decision it's other than a decision yes it wins inside the distance and that way we don't have to lay as much to win uh, if we still like the favorite okay so really what we're pretty much saying is distance or no distance is about a coin flip though in this case the no distance is a little bit less likely and you're saying he's going to win that's the easy part but you're effectively betting it happens from submission or knockout or whatever. Yeah, and, and the favorite is for it to go th- to the decision because he's had a lot of decisions in his career, but this is a five-round fight. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. So for three finishes. rounds are is the typical UFC? Yes. And, and it's then five the minutes events, around. Yeah, main events get five get five rounds. Oh my God. But that yeah. just seems like, wow. Like Back in the day, it used to be 
rounds or 15 rounds, three-minute right. rounds. But the difference between 15 minutes of fighting and 25, man, that seems like a lot. Significant, yeah. It's a lot. All right, best bet. Now, let's set up for Game 5 in the NBA. Yeah, and it is Game 5 of the NBA Finals coming up from Phoenix where we have a 2-2 series after the Milwaukee Bucks get to at home. And right now on pregame.com, it's the Phoenix Suns, a four-point favorite heading into Game 5. So let's look at some over-under point totals, get a flavor how this game is going to go. Giannis leads everyone 33.5 points. Now, two games ago, it was 32.5 Last game, 34-and-a-half. Now, I liked over. McKenzie was scared to bet me, so he won $0 <laughs> on that. They're splitting the difference now. I don't have any strong opinion on this. I think when Giannis was scoring, 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 there was a sense of momentum. But he took – you know, he came into that game. It didn't even seem like he – you know, he didn't take many shots in the first, you know, half of the first quarter. He didn't seem to be offensively – Focused and he filled up the stat sheet. Otherwise, I got no idea if he will be or won't be here. Middleton second, 25 and a half points. And then you've got um, Holiday at 18 and a half. If you look at Phoenix, 28 and a half for Booker and 21 and a half for Paul, who may be injured, and 8 and 15 and a half points. Here's my best bet. If you bet for the series, remember, we already have a Milwaukee series bet, like plus 220 or something, whatever that is. It's a nice number. But if you look at it right now, the series price on Milwaukee's plus 130. The odds of Giannis winning the MVP, the MVP odds are plus 130. Exactly the same. So let me ask you a question. What seems more likely? Milwaukee wins the title, but Giannis does not get the MVP. I say that's about mm, 0% chance, but let's call it 1%. And then the other option is Phoenix wins the title, but Giannis wins the MVP. You might say, RJ, it was Jerry West, last guy that won the MVP for the losing team. Okay, true. But let's look at the Phoenix candidates. Chris Paul is limping to the finish line. You could see Phoenix winning a game seven by two points, and Chris Paul doesn't play very well at all, possibly. And you know what else? You look at Booker. He had one game, he was 3 of 14, and he had one game, he was 8 of 21. So when you shoot like 33% and less than 33% in two of the four games, does not strike me as a great MVP candidate? So you see Giannis playing like he did the prior four games for the next two or three and lose. You're telling me there's not a better chance? So to me, let's get an extra little Milwaukee exposure. And the reason I want that is because I do believe there's a real chance Chris Paul is physically hobbled. Thus, if I want more Milwaukee exposure, I could bet more in Milwaukee to win the series, but I think we have a better bet betting Giannis at MVP plus 130. Jonas, quickly, does that rationale make sense to you? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense, and if you, if I were to ask you right now who looks more healthy, Giannis or Chris Paul, I think it's Giannis. I think Giannis could go without sleep for two days and he'd look healthier. <laughs> so best bet, Giannis plus 130 to win the MVP, which is a proxy for Milwaukee to win, but also a chance if they lose that he could still win it.
If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. It includes a look back at Game 4, what we learned from Game 4 that we take into Game 5, and multiple best bets to get you set up for the weekend in the world of sports. We are back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can find the show on the iHeart Radio app. Straight Out of Vegas! 